You are now listening to Wave a Sound. Welcome to Versus Mike History. I am your host, Michael History. In episode 99, serial entrepreneur Nana joins the podcast to discuss the struggles of funding a business on your own, going from running your business to hiring employees to manage tasks, the importance of balancing relationships in and out of business, and more. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen. Subscribe to our newsletter for updates and podcast recommendations. And join our members-only community on Patreon for access to exclusive content. For everything else, go to VersusMikeHistory.com. Peace, family. Welcome to Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Michael History. And today we got Nana in the building. What's good, bro? What's going on? What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. Um, Nana is a serial entrepreneur. He has multiple businesses under his belt, and uh, he's consistently practicing and building uh, on the entrepreneur side. And we got him in the building today to talk about the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship. And we're just going to get into straight into the conversation. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. But first and foremost, because I ask all my guests this when they come on a podcast, what are you listening to these days? Like what's in your rotation? Um, lately, I've been listening to like toxic R&B. Like that's that's my lane. Like <laughs> okay. uh, some weekend, uh, give me on uh some uh party next door savage anthem okay. um uh tory lanes uh I, I forgot the song i think it was like uh something live mm-hmm. um like uh now you mess with athletes now nah, i don't like fucking athletes or something like that like that that's my that's my song right now okay okay that's a nice little that's a nice little lane to, to explore um those are a couple of my favorite artists as well but let's go ahead and get into it. So, like I said previously, you are a serial entrepreneur. And um, how about you go ahead and start off by sort of delving into that a little bit deeper? Um, so I, I guess uh I've always been an entrepreneur. Um uh when I was five, like <laughs> I used to basically loan money to my my parents or like a family members. Um, and I didn't know any, any concepts about interest or anything, but I knew that in order for them to give me my money back, they had to give me more than what I gave them. So I became a terror and they didn't want to borrow money from me. Um, fast forward, I didn't take a first step until, uh, doing my master's in college. Uh, and I started with lanyards, um, believe it or not. Uh, I, I saw a need for it and how, Started dating this girl and they didn't have any. Our organization didn't have any. And the conglomerate of their organization didn't have any. So I decided to create it. I created it within a year. Uh, it boomed. I used it to buy another business, got an investment, scaled that business. Um, and it just started my love for like creating and a system and organization. And now, you know, currently like four or five businesses and um, sometimes even if it's another leeway, just being a middleman for something else, I do it as well in order to to profit. Awesome. That sounds amazing. All right. So let's get started with the lanyard business. Um, let's get into the trials and tribulations of 
you know, your first, your first business, everybody talks about how their first business is like the most tumultuous. Um, so let's get into the pitfalls and everything that went into, you know, managing that first prospect. Uh, so the first thing was, uh, I originally was supposed to do it on partner. Um, so, you know, I kind of divvy up how I was going to split the expenses out of nowhere. The partner said they couldn't do it. So I had to work crazy, um, sacrifice my whole winter break in order to put both the money up, uh, within a week and a half, I profited instantaneously. Mm. Uh, I got into a Clark crash because life happens. Um, and the exact money that I made was the exact money that I just profited. So instead of fixing the car right away, I decided to double down. Um, so I doubled down and I created more. Um, and I was able to make enough to fix the car and, you know, keep creating revenue. So, uh, one of the main things is when you don't know who you're dealing with in regards to supplies is like Pantone selections. Like you can't just say a burgundy or green or whatever, because it may not be the exact same, you know, thing that you're doing. I didn't want to order samples because to me, it would only like hasten the process, like not really hasten, but like make the process longer. And also like, I would be expensing more money than I, I had a startup cash. So startup cash is a big thing. Um, marketing is a big thing. Product class, product um, classification and uh, creating more product lines and things that will pique people's interest. is a thing. Uh, just getting, just getting your consumer's attention. Um, is one of the biggest things as well as initial money, man. Initial money, especially as entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs, what we do is we don't utilize credit lines and other things. So talk about it funded out of our own pocket. So with that, we make, we're hesitant to make certain decisions or we do luck luster stuff based on what we have in regards to, to income. So um, that, that, that was definitely a, 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 you know, a headache and especially, you know, being in school at the time as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. You brought up the point of black people being reluctant to, um, you know, take on lines of credit to fund their businesses and things of that nature. Um, in terms of navigating your funds, those first few funds, um, when did you get to the point with your, with your first business where you didn't have to use your money anymore? How did that change your perspective on how you operated the business? Uh, for me, I was kind of blessed um, because the product that I created, it, um, I didn't have any competition. So I didn't necessarily have to advertise it. It was a hot sell. It was a commodity that everyone needed to have at that time. So within a couple of months, I created a cash flow and a revenue in order to basically manage everything. My main thing when I first did it, I didn't even know if it was going to like, you know, sell or flop. So I created my price range based on products that were very similar and the cost of my website. I was using Wix at the time. So it cost me $16 a month in order to run the Wix website that I created. So I said, if I'm able to sell one of these a month, I'm able to keep the website running, right? Okay. Then I went into packaging. <laughs> I used to do this little cheat thing because my packaging, my product is very small. So what I did is I used to put it in really small envelopes um, and I used to ship it at the USPS, the kiosk rather than going inside. And I used to print it as postage. So I was only paying 75 cents for an actual package, which should run me about four to five dollars and they were letting it go through 
Um, so I was profiting very instantaneously and being on a college campus and going to different campuses, um, the product, I used to carry it back with me with the product in it. Like my car became my whole entire vessel. So I profited very instantaneously within like three to four months. I was no longer using my own cash. I wasn't even keeping track of it, which is another thing is our downfall is keeping track uh, of the money that's coming in and out. That was literally my next question. I was going to ask you, um, how did you keep the money separate from, how did you keep the business funds separate from your personal funds? I didn't, man. And okay. uh, at first, and, let's get into it. <laughs> and, and that's the thing I think uh, a lot of new entrepreneurs struggle with it because, you know, you don't think about creating a business account because they charge you the monthly fee. Right. As a student, having a student account, you know, the checking account is free. So I was kind of commingling my funds and really didn't really diversify what was my check, which was nothing, <laughs> or working on campus or my the money that was coming in from my business. And then come until tax time that I, I saw the grief that it caused um, by not separating my funds. So when, when that came around after my first year, then I decided to create a separate account. Although it still wasn't a business account at the time, it was another check-in because I didn't want to absorb the fee to take off, take on any overhead, any, any more overhead expenses that I decided to actually separate uh, my money. I wish I would have done a business account because I could have started business credit and I could have expanded it way faster than um, what happened and not use outside funds um, such as an investor because, you know, it didn't, it, it didn't shape up to it be exactly what I thought the experience was going to be. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into you moving on. Um, because after a certain amount of time, you made the decision to purchase another business. And I can't, I'm curious to know what went into the process of choosing what business to, um, you know, purchase and, you know, the process of what, choosing what field to move into next? Uh, no, nah, that's a great question. So the reason why I chose the next business was because of the notoriety of the business, right? It was a notoriety, the business had a substantial amount of notoriety. It wasn't operating in the past couple of years. However, I still saw their product around. The, the cash to enter and gross owning the business wasn't as much. And I had it just sitting there and then when I when I learned about the business, I I took ownership of all the the designs that they had created prior and the unreleased designs that they still had in stock, as well as every other collection from past. I was introduced to their manufacturers and I was introduced to where they purchased their merchandise from. So when calculating, I'm like, yo, this is a 150% markup per item. This makes sense. The money made sense. Me not coming up with new designs made sense. The notoriety made sense. And to me, it seemed like an easy turn to key. But <laughs> but <laughs> what I didn't take into account that the reason why the notoriety was as big as it was is because the people that owned it created that notoriety. Mm. I wasn't a marketer. I didn't, you know, I wasn't ingenious with the market and I wasn't strictly business. We strictly business minded. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> so me not being out there and being the face, 
um it, it definitely um it definitely didn't bring out bring the amount of money that I thought it was gonna it was gonna bring. I try to create different avenues in order to create that um, buzz by having, you know, giving free samples to people that would be brand ambassadors. But it just became, they didn't bring in any money. I just gave away free hats. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I decided to, I took on an investor and I decided to expand the business beyond just that one product line to make it a fully customizable shop. Because mm-hmm. If you think about it, um, Mike, when someone says that they are about to start a business, um, th- there's a whole roadmap in what they do, right? They they do hats. I'm going to make a t-shirt line. I'm going to do sunglasses. You know, like everyone when they want to start a business is the exact same thing. So my thing is like, yo, if everyone wants to start a business and do that, why can't I be their manufacturer? Right. And with taking on an investor, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be in a manufacturer. And I got into being a manufacturer and hiring employees and having the say-so to buy the equipment to do everything in-house with an office space. Let's um, shift that. You just brought up a good point, which is employees and office spaces. So you're talking, you're talking about real expenses now. Um, not to say that the ones, Not to say that the ones before weren't. But, you know, when you have when you start to become responsible for people's livelihood, um, the conversation sort of shifts. So let's get into that a bit. Uh, in regards to the employees, um, you, you need to know who you're hiring, right? If it's not your friends and it's people that you just find, um, I was able to train them, right? However, I wasn't able to beat them, right? Mm-hmm. one thing is about being an entrepreneur and owning the business is that the people that are working for you won't have the same vision and passion that you have for the business because it's your business right so they don't have the same work ethic to make it thrive as you made it thrive it got to the point that i even decided to switch my payment schedule to incentivize them in order to produce more or to bring in more business or to network to market to do the it while handling all the expenses. Uh, luckily, you know, I had a bad misfortune and COVID hit. Um, so that that greatly impacted it. I, As a new business, I made enough to keep afloat. I didn't make enough to profit. And soon I did have to take other measures and, you know, let them go um, and, you know, make other moves. So, you know, one of the big things about being an entrepreneur is pivoting. You always have to pivot. Like you always have to make make sure you minimize your loss and let ideas go. Sometimes some ideas are meant to fail. If you know, try pushing and you go, you may go bankrupt trying to make sure you keep your baby alive. Sometimes mm. it just gotta go. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about some of the things. I guess. I want to shift to what are the um, positives about entrepreneurship that you would like people to know who um, may be a bit scared about getting into it, the positives about the work and of it. The positive is like seeing your idea manifest like into fruition, you know, like 
you having an idea one day, you actually taking the, the steps. Like when you do your business formation, actually getting the formation and the EIN number and it being legit, like seeing your name next to something that you're created, like next to LLC on a business card. Like those things are all very exciting things. Seeing the cash flow coming in, seeing people believing in it and complimenting and loving the product. Like it's it's all things for you. And it's like you creating something that no one else created or you think that is better. Like to me, I believe basically like making things tangible in regards to the business and the success of it is like one of the highlights of actually having a company. Mm -hmm. um, the reviews and, and the love and people just promoting it out of out of just pure enjoyment. Um, it to me it's 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 what it is. Like someone even made a like a, a TikTok. It was like TikTok or Reels, um, based on one of the challenges with my product. And I I was excited. It's just like it's the little things in entrepreneurship um that matters. Uh breaking breaking even and then turning in a profit is very exciting. You know, again, the business the business account is very exciting. And just seeing like just seeing the love uh, around what you decide to create, um, it's 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 just immense, immense. It does something to you, you know, and it makes you want to keep going. So, what are some ways that you yourself and maybe some of the listeners can keep themselves knowledgeable about business practices and tactics, and you know how to keep um, with the trends of you know, developing a successful business? Yeah, I firmly believe in YouTube University, right? Talk about it. YouTube University taught me how to create my own LLC um, from uh, the the state website to create an EIN number from the state website without having to pay immense amount of fees. Like some people just start the business to go to legal Zoom and stuff. Like they're charging you over $100 to create an EIN number, which is free. They're charging you three, four hundred dollars in order to create an LLC, which the state only charges you about one hundred and twenty seven dollars, I believe, in order to do it. So to me, that was the first step. Then when it came to taxes and me learning that um, I'm, I'm also employed, that as a self-employed person, as an entrepreneur, what you can do is you can spend money before you're taxed on the bread <laughs> that the government is going to tax you on. So a lot of things can actually be business expenses. So learning that opened a whole floodgate because I get to keep money in my pocket. And I also to get, get to get things for the business, but things that I also want. So rather than just having a regular laptop, I get to upgrade to something else. So YouTube University really taught me a lot of things and certain tax codes and certain things like there's one tax code that I'm, it's like called the depreciation tax code in which I'm so excited to use, hopefully next year, in which it used to be 100% before the tax laws changed. But you can buy a secondary vehicle if you already have one before you used to write the whole thing off, 100% of it off. But it had to be like a 6,000 pound vehicle. So you can get an AMG, you can get a Porsche Cayenne, you can get a Tesla Model X and write the entire amount off the first year of purchase. It's now up to 80%. 
But, you know, to me, in order to write off such a big amount, you have to have your business accruing a certain amount um, for you to do that. But it's it's <laughs> it's amazing. And there's way more other things that you can do in order to uh, to maximize. So YouTube University, like YouTube is your like <laughs> your business partner, honestly. Um, And what would you say to somebody who, you know, doesn't necessarily have a business idea but may want to explore the ideas of business um where should they start um that's a tough one uh i believe to just see right to me like there's no such thing as having a business mindset there's people that have an affinity for it Mm -hmm. Right. But sometimes you just starting things, you know, like you you have an idea to me, like no one else will understand your vision. Like we all wear glasses and stuff. No one has your ideal prescription. Right. No one can see what you see or the depths that it can happen. You can partner up with someone, um, but it has to be the ideal partner or you can just try it or you can start it with family. Test it out. Right. Don't create the LLC. Don't make it a big thing. Just see if your idea takes. Um, Because, you know, some people say when you start a business, you know, try it out your family and friends first. Those, those are your main consumer base. And then you can expand into the world. So it's either just taking a leap of faith in order to do it or partnering with somebody that you believe have the acumen and the ability in order to do it with you and can share in the vision that you have. That's good advice. That's real good advice. Um, okay, so let's let's move on and get into some of your other businesses. Um, we've talked about the second one, and then you know, I, I'm going to assume that on this journey, you start to purchase more, you start to handle multiple businesses at once, or is it always one at a time? Uh it's, it's multiple businesses at once. Okay, so let's get into um you know, the sort of responsibility of managing multiple businesses up from the up from the responsibility of just managing one. It, it drastically impacts your social life. So one thing that you gonna have to understand is is balance. Um, so it was set it's set days that I only handle sales for one thing. It's set days that I. I handle this idea, set days that I handle this. So it's like basically splitting my days up and times that I do different things. Like what hour works best for you? I'm a morning person, 4.30, 4 o'clock, I'm up. So that's when I'm thinking the most. I'm not drained from work because I just do still work my nine to five. And I basically create that avenue, which from four to about eight, if I'm, not working out, I'm doing business stuff from eight to nine before I start work. That's my me time in order to declutter. And then I start work. So like, and also investing in different softwares. So softwares that can do some of the work for you. Like if you invest in QuickBooks and you have QuickBooks automating the purchase for you, or you have a Spotify generating your labels, mm -hmm. or you have things in regards to project management in which, uh, Tenants can fill their maintenance requests. It sets reminders for them to pay their rent. It tracks the rent. 
like we're in a digital age. Like we have right. so many tools and so many things that we can find online that even may be free to do things that we don't necessarily need to do and just handle small aspects of the business. Like being a one man man and doing so many different things is very like, <laughs> it's very stressful. So mm. my main thing in regards to being a serial entrepreneurship is creating a, a level of automation mm. um, in which I don't necessarily have to do much in order to profit, decreasing my overhead expenses or increasing it in a way in order to improve my 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 work life balance in a sense. And then sometimes utilizing your breaks <laughs> in regards to work in order to do other things and sometimes long nights. So it just it just depends. Like it's there's no one way to cut it. It's just creating a way in order to do certain things. But I've balanced it way more by paying for programs that do most of the stuff or finding apps or finding creative ways to handle certain things or minimizing the amount of days I ship. Okay, I may not ship you things within a day or two. If I give them the three to five day turnaround time, I'm I'm creating an avenue which I can ship it either twice a day and also decreasing the amount of time I spend in the post office and other places. Um, you It's funny that we got into the topic of balance because you spoke about the uh, multitude of apps and different um, technologies that you can use to manage your business on your own. But um, you also spoke about the importance of hiring uh, good people to get tasks done for your business. And I want to talk, I want to kind of shift that to um, <clears throat> employing or not, maybe not necessarily employing, but getting the people's closest to you involved in your business and, you know, the pros and cons of that. So when I say close, like friends and family. So it, it's kind of hard. Um, I personally, in regards to anybody in my family, I don't do business <laughs> with people in my family um, uh, and some friends is friends that aren't too close to you. Right. Uh, unless they share the same vision or they have a, you know, a stake in the business. Right. So one thing, just like anything, if you're like, let's say you're buying a service from a friend because you're their friend or you're their family, you get put on a back burner than other consumers. So it's just being very tactful on how you do that because you being as close to the person that you're doing business is like they feel that they can they can take advantage because like oh that's that's dumb you know i know him you know i know her like i can get away with certain things so it's very it's being very tactful um to me i'll target people um in my friend group in which they they need an excess amount of money not the person i'm the most closest to mm -hmm. someone that needs another avenue in order to make money someone that currently doesn't have a job or someone that's in school, you know, or someone's little brother or, you know, little sister or cousin that, you know, that wants to do certain things. Um, and also people that who tr are trying to do certain things in their career that's aligned with what you have going on as a business. To me, I believe that aids because it gives them it gives them passion into what they're doing, an external way to make money. Everyone is looking for a secondary source of income. And the people that don't have a secondary source of income, or it can be their primary source of income. So it's just basically like 
navigating that field in, in, in the needs category or in the passion category, uh, rather than it being familiar. Um, I don't, I believe familiar, being familiar with things, um, is very poisonous, um, to what you're trying to create, uh, it builds comfortability. Um, it, it builds a way for people to, you know, to get over or, you know, just, just a, a, a lack of seriousness in regards to what you're creating. Right. And I think that, um, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I personally believe that um, it should be a collaborative effort, a collaborative effort, and you should be able to include your loved ones. But I totally understand the process of like wanting to keep certain things separate and not wanting to make certain lines because you know it creates more problems within business than you would like to deal with. Um. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Most definitely. Like you just it's just just analyzing a risk, man. You can't do things with everyone. Uh, I believe your loved ones and the friends that are around you are, are meant to be consumers, unless they have parts in it. Like no one is going to want to do something, knowing how much you make, right? Mm -hmm. Or you know, knowing what's going on. You know, they they would like to be a part in order to have the same passion. Other than that, you know, it it won't be the same amount. And you know. To me, like if they're my friends and loved ones and I really love them, you know, sometimes money comes in the way of those those things. And it makes people it makes people that are so familiar this distinct strangers. So that's something that I I, I wouldn't want to create in my environment around me. I'd rather have people that, you know, support me out of genuine love than people that, you know, that, you know, have some type of animosity based on on money or on funds. Or, or or the way I speak to you, <laughs> or right. you know, or the work. Right. <laughs> um. All right. Shifting back to the business end of things, um, I'm curious to know. You know, you've you've spoke about uh, purchasing into a lot of businesses, and um, you haven't really spoken about legacy a lot. So, what I'm curious about is, is are you in business to create something that will keep your legacy intact or is it more so about you know the return and setting yourself up to be in the best position or is it a little bit of both uh, to me it's a little bit of both right so if anyone came with a, an obscene amount of money or even like a medium obscene amount of money mm -hmm. you know, to buy me out of any of these businesses I, I would i would let it go without a heartbeat um what one people don't realize is that I think what black people or minorities um, take is that they believe ownership is king, mm -hmm. right? To me, ownership is not king, right? Having a percentage of something that's bigger than what you're creating is king. Like that, that's what creates your legacy. And the, the God did song when Jay-Z says cap, he's not talking about like, you know, you're capping. Mm -hmm. He's talking about a market cap table. And when you're here making decisions with people that's making real money, right? If you think about it, Jay-Z um, basically moved the Nets to Brooklyn. And if you guys remember, he owned 1% of it. Right. But he had the ability to do that, right? So to me, like my legacy is from, is, is from creating the things and sending my, my kids in a position in which they can have the best possible things. 
Um, one thing that I, I saw in a podcast, the I Am Athlete podcast a while ago, is that in, in our community, the money moves backwards, mm-hmm. right? You get the money and you have to, you gotta, you have to lace your friends with stuff. You have to get your mom a house. You gotta get your mom a car. You gotta take the family out the hood. You have to provide all of this. Then basically you have nothing else to build on, right? So my thing is to, is to, I'm creating all of these things to create something that's tangible that I can scale to an obscene level or to have someone invest into the idea in order to have the people around me that are in dire situations to excel with me and to to get part of those bigger tables, those those cap tables, those market cap tables in order to discuss business decisions, being uh, share a shareholder, having a chair on the board, mm-hmm. you know that that's that's where that's where real money is made. Controlling shares, board seats. That's when we get into real conversations. Yeah, that's when you get to real conversations, make real decisions, see real money, see how like actual organizations are really ran. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, to me, legacy is a very important thing. And you know, growing up, not you know having certain things makes you want to enjoy the luxuries of life, you know, like most definitely. So to me, that that's the thing. And I, and I, I want my kids or the people or my family or even my friends around me, man, to, to have everything that they ever dreamed of. And if, if I can invest in a share of them based on what I created, and that's another thing, like, I don't, I don't mind wanting a lion's share of what you, what you want. I, I can, I can take as low as 10 or 5%. <laughs> money into what you have if i do that for 10 friends who have created successful businesses that's a hundred percent yeah oh I, i'm pre- profiting a large amount i don't i don't mm-hmm. need to keep them on their back or because i don't want to do the work that they want to do i may not believe in their vision to do the work for it but i can i can believe in their vision in order to provide income for it that's beautifully said and with that being said yeah or no, no, excuse me. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on to Versus Mike History to discuss entrepreneurship and, you know, the personal trials and tribulations that come with it, because it's been a very insightful conversation and you've been, um, you've given an eye-opening account of what it takes to manage multiple businesses, to start a business on your own and to, you know, manage that as a serial entrepreneur and um you know you can let the people know where to find you online or you cannot you know um you can find me on i think my instagram is at underscore uh great god gr the number eight t g-o-d um, and I have a Twitter I don't really use much. I believe it's at underscore KingMe24. Um, not not a big social media person. I post here and there, sometimes being, you know, funny or silly. But um uh that's yeah, that that's where you can find me. All right. You gotta um uh, start that consulting business, my brother. <laughs> hey man, I, I I may start it, man. Sometimes yeah. people need to see a couple of dollars for a couple minutes, you know what I'm saying? Like People need to see the mail first. If you put attach, oh, I'm a millionaire. You can sell, <laughs> you can sell anything to anybody for any price. It's a fact. It's a fact, unfortunately. All right, my brother. I appreciate you coming on the show once again. And um, 
that'll be all. You guys know where to find Versus Mike History. Everything is at versusmikehistory.com. VS Mike History on Twitter, Versus Mike History on Instagram and TikTok and fan base. And um, no problem, brother. Thank you for ha- uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and I will see you beautiful black people on the next episode. <laughs>